Sounds of honking horns intermingle with the clinking of metal pots and sizzling pans, almost drowned out by the voices of vendors advertising their wares or customers haggling over the price. Aromas within wafting smoke from barbecue grills, the sweet smell of fresh fruits, and earthly scents of a hundred spices fill the nostrils. To some, a sensory overload, to others, a culinary adventure. But to many local Ghanaians, a walk through Makola Market, the largest in West Africa, is a way of life. As you wander through the market, you'll find a plethora of delicious flavors waiting to be savored. From the spicy, tangy jollof rice to the rich and creamy peanut butter soup, the flavors of Ghanaian cuisine are diverse and complex, and it is no wonder that young hustlers in Ghana are finding opportunity in food. You're listening to Hustling the African Dream, and I'm your host, Sylvia A. Most people, actually, their first um, business idea is actually food. Whether it's snack, whatever it is, it's just food that leads a lot of people. And then sometimes they branch out. This is Teresa Arega. Teresa is a MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program alumni working at the Human Sciences Research Council. And for this episode, Teresa went back to her home country of Ghana to speak to some of the young hustlers that are turning aroma, tastes and appetites into opportunities. I think the food economy itself in Ghana is thriving. It's something that is upcoming and you won't find yourself in a space where there's no, and this I mean just small ventures, like small joints. Every place you go, you'll find six, seven people. And you don't need so much capital to do that. You have people that just set up tables and other stuff, and then they are just selling. In Ghana, informal food stalls are a common sight, particularly in urban areas. These stalls are also known as chop bars or cook shops and are typically small-scale, family-run businesses that sell prepared meals to customers. These stalls are often set up in open-air markets, on street corners, or in another public area. They may consist of little more than a few tables and chairs, a cooking stove, and some basic cooking utensils. Despite this simple setup, these food stalls can be a vital source of affordable and convenient meals for many Ghanaians. One young hustler is taking this concept to the next level by taking her passion to the customer. My passion, I love to cook. Cooking is something I can do even when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also what drove me. This is Mary Bosch. She is one of the young people making food a business in Ghana. Something you could say she's very qualified for. I studied BSc Agricultural Biotechnology and currently I'm the CEO of Achedia Baskets. Mary is in the business of baskets. Baskets of food she calls gifts. But these gifts don't come easy. So if it's breakfast and lunch, I wake up around two o'clock so that I can I can be able to finish with my breakfast around five and deliver from six to eight. 
Then I come back to come and do my lunch. Then I deliver some of our deliveries. Sometimes it's, I can come back early, very early, it depends. But sometimes I can come back very late because it's not a formal job. Mary's example highlights a trend we have discovered while working on this show. She is exceptionally well-educated and on the face of it, you'd imagine a lucrative career in her field in front of her. But education in many cases isn't enough. The African dream is complicated. There's no simple trajectory to follow. So even people like Mary need to hustle. I feel Ghana is like a hassle economy, a very hassle economy. This is Teresa again. In Ghana, you see the environment is more harshy. Everybody's on the move doing something. So yeah, I think the major picture that comes into my mind is if you picture an informal market, that is the major picture in Ghana. In Africa, informal jobs account for three quarters of all non-agricultural livelihoods. And this trend is rising. Often in Africa, having employment is not enough and people often turn to side hustles to make ends meet. And in Ghana, it is no different. Salaries are not good, and you won't be able to even live a comfortable life. And by a comfortable life, I mean being able to afford a decent accommodation, a decent food, being able to just move around. You know, this basic stuff, people are actually unable to do that with just a salary. Because you know people that are earning, and that amount of money only caters for their transportation. And sometimes you ask, so where do you get the money to pay for your your rent? Where do you get the money to feed yourself? Where do you get that? The informal sector creates more job opportunities for a wider spectrum of people than in the formal sector. It also ensures that the money in circulation in this sector stays within low-income communities. And in countries like Ghana, the informal sector has been essential in addressing issues like food security. And it begs the question, has the government been involved in nurturing this contributor to its economy? African startups are forecast to face a funding drought this year. This 2023 is going to be another year of really hard time for entrepreneurs to raise capital. We ask whether there are enough initiatives um, that have been successfully implemented in order to curb youth unemployment. The question is, what has been done to stimulate job creation? The youth continue to bear the brunt of this crisis. Young people are starting to lose hope. Young people are starting to get dejected. Young people come to us in these spaces and they're just starting to get to that dangerous place where there's no comeback from. I'll speak from an honest perspective and also from the experiences of most people I know. I don't think the government is actually doing enough for startups. I don't think they get enough resources because I feel most businesses, and it's also because of the collateral, I do understand the government, like if I'm playing both roles, I do understand the government to an extent that I can't give my money to a young person who can be careless and waste the money and I might not get anything in return. I'll probably invest in a business that is thriving, that is old, and I know I'm going to get my returns and even get higher returns for that. And on that part of that, myself as an entrepreneur, a startup, you cannot afford not to get this resource because I feel businesses that are already in the system, businesses that are already striving, they have their money, they have their system, and they're even getting other investments. But nobody wants to invest in that start in the startup. And so you are restricted. And in Ghana, you hear people say there are resources. And I'm like, where are these resources? You hear people saying there are programs. I've seen some of these programs. Even when I went home, I saw this. Is a youth employment um 
a whole building for youth employment and i thought yeah this building maybe they are doing so much on young people i was so invested you go to the office and i've been there like six times and you don't find anybody so sometimes i'm like even if these programs are there even if the structures are there the structures are actually not performing they are not doing anything entrepreneurs hustlers young people trying to make a living regardless of what you call them they often don't find much in terms of support from government or established businesses but still they start businesses even though they're some of the few people who actually have jobs and you find a lot of young people i know about 30 to 40 people because i'm a business person i most of my friends or people around me are also business and gana side hustle is like a thing you might be working and you still have a side hustle so i have a lot of friends that are doing that and some of the side hustle are really like rising up but there's no assistance though the government provides little to no support to startups The success of the informal food industry has become a main source of income for many people such as our CEO Mary Bosch who shared the same sentiment as Teresa. You have to fend for yourself. You can't depend on the government. So you should think of ways in which you can survive in this bad economy as you're coming out so that it can strengthen you and you can be able to do something for yourself. But if you are lucky to also find yourself some job which people do I know people who have been able to find themselves jobs after um right after school. Uh, school. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if if you are able to find yourself a job to that's good. If you are able to find yourself your a job and you think you have time like me during my national service, you can also have a side business because now it is you cannot you cannot live with just one salary. So that is National Service in Ghana is a mandatory one-year program for all graduates from tertiary institutions in the country. It was established by the Ghanaian government in 1973 to promote national unity and development by deploying young graduates to work in various sectors of the economy. After completing their studies, graduates are required to register for the national service program and then are posted to various institutions and organizations across the country to serve. These institutions could be in the public or private sector and could include schools, hospitals, government agencies and private companies. During their service, national service personnel are provided with a monthly allowance and are required to participate in community service activities. The national service program is seen as an opportunity for graduates to gain valuable work experience, build their skills and contribute to the development of their country. It also helps to promote national integration by bringing together graduates from different regions, ethnicities and backgrounds to work together towards a common goal. Mary Bosch tells us about her time in the national service. During my national service, um the lab I used to work at, we used to close very early. That was around 12 o'clock and after 12 o'clock there was nothing to do. So I I decided to look for something to do around that time and at that time the food baskets was something that had had just started in Ghana so a lot of people were um interested in it and I also love food so I decided that then let me start with the food baskets Mary's business started out as a side hustle during her national service however this presented its own set of challenges From the beginning I was working as a national service personnel so I'll have to finish whatever I'm doing at um 
whatever I'm doing at work and go and deliver the food at the same time. So first, um, how to um, because of traffic and all those things, so I wasn't able to deliver at the right time. And because it's food, something like breakfast has to be delivered at a specific time between maybe um, eight to 12. If you deliver it after that, it misses its purposes. So from the beginning, that was a main problem. And another problem was working with other people like the, um, Uber drivers and the bakery because they will disappoint you. And the in Ghana, honesty is one big problem. If they know that they can't do something, they won't tell you. Yes, they will just lie about it. And at the end of the day, you are the one dealing with the client. So the client thinks you are not honest to it. Maybe the client might never come back to purchase. However, Mary's resilience resulted in her side hustle becoming her main hustle after she completed her national service and her business continues to grow. Yes, it's a business. That's what feeds me and helps me support my family. It's a sustainable cause. At least I've been able to sustain myself. I've been able to pay, um, hire two people and pay them, and including pay myself and be able to be able to save some money. So I think it has been lucrative. But Mary's ambitions don't stop there. So personally, um, I started this business because I wanted to, um, mainly, I want to be a, a lecturer, but I wanted to have a side hustle whilst I, whilst I was in school. Mm -hmm. So my, the main plan was within my first three years, so my first five years, I should be able to do my master's whilst working, um, whilst doing the Achachachede basket. Mm -hmm. Then I'll, I'll, um, when the Achachede basket is established, I will go on to do my um PhD, then I become a lecturer. And I wanted to have restaurants in the next five years. I want to have restaurants all over Ghana. She wants to further her studies so that she can become a lecturer while still growing her business and transitioning from the informal sector into the formal sector. Entrepreneurs like Mary form the backbone of this industry. Many within this industry have leveraged their education and passion to innovatively contribute to this industry. And while Mary has done so with food baskets, some are doing so with cereal. My name is Dokaz Babette Kofi, um, and I'm currently employed formally and managing my business called Babette Foods. Um, yeah, and at the same time, I'm pursuing my master's um, at the University of Edinburgh in international development specifically. Babette's business-orientated mind and curiosity led her to experiment and try out many different entrepreneurial ventures, like selling sweets and water to her friends and siblings from a very young age. When the time was right, Babette's foods came about organically and she used her background in economics to solve a problem she identified in Ghana's food industry. First of all, I come from a background where my, my family, some part of my family are farmers. My grandmother is a farmer and I've loved the farms. I've loved green um, since I was young that I used to visit her in the village. And one of the things growing up that I learned as someone with an economics background academically was how um, especially local cereals are not value and values are not added to it in Ghana before exporting or even if I mean when it comes to internal sales, it's just sold raw or used raw. And I try to put myself in the shoe of my grandmother who has been a farmer all her life and think about 
what she has been able to do out of her produce, aside just selling. And this is where young, educated hustlers like Mary and Babette see an opportunity. Taking inspiration from family members of earlier generations, they seek out opportunities they know will appeal to a local market. But more than that, they use what they've learned in school and university to develop these ideas further. And I'm like, okay, this is me, a 21st young woman. So what I can do is to break it from the value chain and think about how to add value to the local produce, especially cereals, vegetables and fruits that are produced in Ghana. And motivation being my grandmother, especially thinking about how uh, women like her who are into rice farming, for instance, in the northern region, Ashanti and other parts of the country, able to make good yields from their family so that they can get good source of income um, to educate their young children. Babette started experimenting on her roommates at university. She mixed cereals and encouraged her ravenous friends to try them. So they come from lectures and um, I tell them, look, I don't want, I mixed oats and rice and it's, it's the Ghana local rice, the brown rice. Try it and see, I add milk, I garnish it. You know, we come back from lectures very hungry and tired, they're stressed with it, they just eat it. Yeah, this I don't even tell them what I mixed, but when they finish, they give me feedback. So that's how I started. I, at the time I was using my blender to just blend things. Entrepreneurs like Mary and Babette have pushed beyond their circumstance and created businesses that not only provide a useful service to their communities, but also provide them and others with a living. I think we should take, um, we should delete that mentality that entrepreneurship is for people who are stranded, who um, are looking for jobs and are not able to get jobs. This is the conclusion young entrepreneurs like Mary, Babette, Teresa, and many others are making. The ways of the older generations are not enough to make a viable business for the future. But education also isn't the silver bullet that will guarantee their futures. So, they combine all their knowledge and resources and try to create for themselves what the world doesn't easily supply. And not everyone has the resources they do but they're not just doing this for themselves. If they succeed, others will succeed with them. And maybe that is an essential part of the African dream. Coming up on the next episode of Hustling the African Dream. I'd never thought that I would be unemployed. In fact, I have had such a positive outlook to life <laughs> that I've always thought like, look, things would go well, like th things would work out. And then it was a torture. Radio silence, rejection after rejection. Where do you expect me to get experience from for? Nobody was prepared to take that gamble on you. There was an interview I went for where the guy was like, you are too good, why would you even come for this role? 
I'm like, are you kidding me? I need a job. I need a job. I, I don't think anybody deserves to go through that. I don't think... No, mine was less than... I don't think I stayed in the house for more than a year. So the frustration of someone who stayed in the house for more than a year, I, I don't think anybody needs to go through that. It's hell. This episode contains clips or references from the following sources. Newsroom Africa, Clive Butko, CEO of Callan Venture Partners, Andrew Darfour, Group Chief Executive of Alexander Forbes, CNBC Africa. Take a look at the show notes for links and more details.